Hello, and welcome to episode 264 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. I talk a lot on this show about how to be a great manager, obviously. But it's important to remember that even though we play a unique leadership role in our teams, we are also a teammate to our colleagues. And being a great teammate comes with its own set of skills. So today, we are digging into what it takes to be a great teammate. But first, a warm welcome to Christine and to the Modern Manager community. And a warm welcome to everyone, whether this is your very first episode or you've listened to all 264. I am so grateful that you are spending the next half hour with me. So let me be quick. If you want to get even more from this podcast, I urge you to check out the membership. It starts at $5 per month and can help you maximize what you're learning each week. So head on over to themodernmanager.com slash join to learn more. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Now here's your host, Mamie Canfer-Stewart. Now today's guest is Lance Loya, best-selling author and authority on the mindset of a good teammate. His most recent book, The We Gear, made Forbes' list of 20 books to make you a better coach or mentor. He is the founder and CEO of The Good Teammate Factory and the creator of National Be a Good Teammate Day. Lance and I talk about what it actually means to be a good team member. He breaks down the alive model and explains the five factors that every person and manager can embody to be a superstar teammate. Now here's the conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lance. I'm super excited for this conversation. I just finished reading your book and really enjoyed the concept of the Wii Gear. And I have to tell you, when I was first looking at it, I was like, is this like the Wii Gear? Like I need my special jacket or something, like my running gloves or my shoes or something like that. And then as soon as I got into the book, I was like, oh, this makes so much sense. So I'm really excited for you to share your insights with my audience today. So thanks for coming on the show. Oh, yeah, my pleasure to be here. All right. So I already kind of talked about this we gear metaphor, which I totally misinterpreted. So why don't you let the record be straight? What is the we gear concept? The we gear is a way of explaining the art of being a good teammate. And you think we before me, and that's where the we comes from. So very, very briefly, if you think of driving a car, now, maybe I'm curious, do you know how to drive a manual transmission, a stick shift? I don't. <laughs> no, see, well, you're in the majority because most people do not. Shifting gears is a lost art, so it seems strange to explain the art of being a good teammate through what is essentially a lost art, shifting mm-hmm. gears. But it is a, an analogy that captures precisely what it means to be a good teammate. So automatic car is very simple. You put it in D, it goes forward, put it in R, it goes backwards, put it in P when you're ready to stop. Just don't put it in P while you're still going forward (laughs) or backwards. That P is not going to stand for park. It's going to stand for problems (laughs) and broken transmission problem. Stick shifts, manual transmissions, very simple. You are heading up, a. you have to physically maneuver that gear shift through the gears. If you're headed up a steep hill and you more power, you downshift into a lower gear. If you're out on the highway and you need more speed, you upshift into a higher gear. But before you shift gears... You must engage the clutch. Now, in the automobile industry, those are known as clutch moments. Well, as humans, we have clutch moments in our lives. It's those junctures we come through where we've got to make a quick decision about how we're going to respond to a problem. And as humans, we also have gears. The me gear is all about me. 
What's in it for me? How does this benefit me? Me is the basis for every decision. It's your sole motivation. Here's what it means to be in the we gear and to be a good teammate. When good teammates come to clutch moments in their life, they choose we ahead of me. They make their decisions based on the answer to one simple question. What is best for my team? And that question becomes the guiding principle of their life. And it is it is their path to purpose and service and finding true happiness and the fulfillment in their life. It's such a great metaphor. And even though I can't drive a stick shift car, I do ride a bike and have had to shift gears while I'm riding my bike up or down hills. We don't quite have a clutch, but it's but the concept really resonates, right? That there are times when we need to pay attention to how are we showing up and what's needed in this moment? And which mindset are we wearing? Are we wearing the personal mindset? Are we wearing our team mindset? So I I love this as a framework. And it's not always easy to know what, what hat are we wearing, right? You have to be conscious of that, which I think is what you're saying about recognizing these moments so that you can make a choice about how you show up. Yeah, you know, people are supposed to come and listen to your podcast, Mimi, and they're supposed to have aha moments. But I think I just had an aha moment. <laughs> I never thought about bicycles, and I don't know why. But of course, you know, you have a ten-speed or whatever bicycle, you have to shift gear. So I need to work that in somehow. But, <laughs> well, but really, so yeah. Glad. So to, to your so thank you. Good teammate move on your part, and that's what I like to call those actions you take when you shift from me to we. Those selfless actions that move the team forward. Good teammate moves, and you just made one there. So yes, we need those simple advertising, marketing slogans, if you will, those really catchy sayings that have a stickiness factor though, that, that, that stick with us when we come to those clutch moments. And the we gear is, is an effective version of one of those. Love it. All right. So you have this model called Alive that helps us put the we gear mindset into action. When we're in the we gear, we kind of live through these five different components. Can you walk us through those? Sure. And I'll tell you where they came from. I uh, was formerly in a previous lifetime, a basketball coach, and I had a player who won a very prestigious award and he wasn't the best player in our team. He wasn't the tallest, wasn't the fastest, wasn't our leading scorer, but everybody on the team loved being around him. He was so revered by everybody in the team and respected. And I really came to, to realize that anybody can be a good teammate. You don't have to be tall. You don't have to be fast. You don't have to be good looking. You don't have to be intelligent, really. You just need to be alive. And that's A-L-I-V-E. And there is duality in that statement. Yes, anybody with a pulse can choose to be a good teammate. It really requires nothing more than a choice. But alive stands for active, loyal, invested, viral, and empathetic. And my journey into the art of being a good teammate really began with me studying professional athletes. And then it transcended into me studying employees of the year and teachers of the year. And eventually it evolved to a point where I would walk into Chick-fil-A. I would walk up to the counter to order and every Chick-fil-A has that plaque up by the front counter. It's their teammate of the month, their employee of the month. And I would scroll down, I would find that name and I would order a sweet tea and I would go and sit down and I would study that employee. Now, conceited, it was a little creepy, but it was also very, very insightful because what I kept noticing, it wouldn't matter if I was looking at a professional athlete, a corporate employee of the year, or this teenager from Chick-fil-A, 
I would see these same five behaviors occurring over and over. So I'll walk you through, briefly through them. Alive, uh, A stands for active. People who are active are people of action. When they see a problem, they don't blame, shame, or complain. They do something about it. They take action. L is for loyal, and a loyalty is an incredibly misunderstood virtue. People think of it as being reciprocal, but that's not necessarily the case. Good teammates see loyalty as a gift. It is something they give to their team. It is their allegiance to a higher entity. And people often, when you get into manager positions, they feel like they are entitled to loyalty. And that's not the case. Just because you have a title does not entitle you to loyalty. You have to earn loyalty through your actions, the good teammate moves you make. I is invested. When I first started studying these individuals, I called this behavior interested because that's what they did. They took an interest in others, but I came to really appreciate that there's a difference between being interested and invested. When you're interested, you ask questions. You have a natural curiosity of how things are going and you're happy for their, their good fortune. When you're invested, you do everything that an interested person does, plus you see their problems, their challenges as your problems. And you become as committed to helping them overcome those problems as you are to overcoming your own problems. And then the last two, viral and empathetic. You know, to, to younger generations, viral has taken on a much different meaning. It's come to equate to popular, as in that TikTok video got so many views it went viral. But that's not really the definition that applies to good teammates. Before pop culture hijacked the term, viral had a much different meaning. It meant to spread like a virus. And that's what good teammates do. They spread their fervor and their energy and their passion for what they're doing to others. It is emotional contagion and their passion is contagious. And then finally, empathetic. Empathy is such a buzzword in leadership circles right now, but maybe it should be because it is important. You know, I still think people confuse even upper level management confuses empathy and sympathy. Sympathy is you feel bad for someone else. Empathy is when you feel what it's like to be someone else. And what empathy really is, it provides you with the insight to what good teammates moves you need to make. Empathy is asking why before you pass judgment. So A-L-I-V-E, Amy, alive. Love it. Love each and every one of these and can see already how they can change the dynamic of a team when people are showing up in these ways. I'm wondering if there's one that you were surprised by when you were doing your research was, were one of these kind of something that you just didn't expect to see in people? And then it was kind of an aha moment for yourself to discover this trend amongst all these great teammates? Well, yes, probably all of them in some degree. And I kind of mentioned like the difference between interested and alive for a long time. I called that behavior interested. And, you know, if you think back, uh, we are all a product of our past experiences. And that's certainly true of our education, be it training or very formal schooling. So we had that one teacher or that one mentor who really impacted us in some capacity. And if, if I would go into a, an audience, I'm speaking to an, at a, in a conference or something, and I ask them, well, tell me about a favorite teacher you had when you were uh, younger, and their faces always light up and they go into start telling all the great things this teacher did. And eventually they come to a point where they say they were my favorite teacher because they took an interest in me. And that was basically the standard I used for a long time. But then I really came to appreciate that that was an inadequate standard because the best managers aren't just interested in you. They are invested in you. 
and they want to see you succeed and they make it about you and not just them. Yeah. So I would say that invested was. Yeah. Are there ways that you saw or heard people kind of cross that border between interested into truly invested? Yeah. And there's a strong tie over uh, when I would see invested carry over into loyalty and, and loyalty would stem from the investment that the managers make. So I'll give a good example. Where I live, I live in the southeastern United States and Publix grocery stores are very, very popular down here. I think you, you told me you're in the northern upstate New York. So think Wegmans. People love Wegmans in that part of the country. So Publix has that kind of loyalty following too. But interesting about Publix, they have no kind of, they have no loyalty program or anything of that nature. It's they have enviable levels. Every corporate entity would like to have the kind of loyalty that Publix gets. So I'll tell you a story how, how I can really appreciate this concept of being invested in your your customers, in this case, your your clients. So I was in a Publix grocery store early when I first moved here, and I didn't really realize this is standard practice at Publix. I was doing my shopping. I was going down the aisle, and there was this elderly gentleman. I would say he was probably in his early 80s, and he couldn't find whatever he's looking for. And he went up to an employee stocking shelves. And he asked him, he said, excuse me, young man, I can't find the peanut butter. And you would expect the reaction to say, well, peanut butter is in aisle five or peanut butter is over by the bread. But that's not what happened. What I witnessed was this employee, this, he had his hands full and he set everything down and he said, of course, sir, follow me. And he physically walked that customer over to the peanut butter jars. He pointed directly at him and he says, the peanut butter is right there. Is there anything else I can do to help you? And I was really, I was impressed by that. And I said something to the manager at the store when I was leaving and I kind of wanted to give that, that stock boy a compliment. And I came to discover, well, that's standard operating procedure. That's how they build loyalty with their customers by making that extra step. And I was, I was curious about it. I was like, is that really true? Is that lip service? So I started conducting my own field research. I went to like 26 different public stores. And I would walk in, I'd take a few laps around the store, and then I would find some employee who was really busy. They had their hands really full. It was probably a little bit cruel on my part, <laughs> but I, I had a higher purpose to this. So I'd walk up to that employee and I'd say, excuse me, I can't find the peanut butter. Can you help me out? And without exception, inevitably, they would stop and graciously walk me to the aisle and point directly at the peanut butter jars. Now, that's a level of investment that takes you out of your comfort zone. It is an inconvenience for you, but it provides a tremendous service for the people that, that you're responsible for. And that's a mindset. Well, geez, if a stock boy at Publix can do that, surely a manager can do that too. Wow. That's incredible. And I love that you just went for it with all these Publix to get your own experience. That's just amazing. And so true, right? It doesn't always have to be such big things that we do to demonstrate that we're invested, right? Walking someone to a, a line of jar of peanut butter to find it is, it's not rocket science, right? It's no. something that we are all it, capable of doing. The little things, you know, here is something that I think a lot of managers overlook. And when you look at managers, they typically were all-star performers, whether they were salesmen, they were really good and they got promoted to a management level or they were good at whatever task and they got promoted some kind of supervisory capacity, or they went out and became an entrepreneur on their own. And now they find themselves for the first time in that supervisory mm -hmm. capacity. And they overlook, they've been so 
talented and so skilled at what they've been doing that they overlooked a key factor in being a manager who is a teammate to the other members of their team. Even though they're in a leadership supervisory capacity, they still have a responsibility to be a good teammate. And here's the three most impactful interactions between any two teammates, especially if one of them happens to be in a supervisory capacity. It's how you greet each other, how you say hello, how you leave each other, how you say goodbye, and how you recognize good teammate moves. If you want people to do it, well, you've got to emphasize it and you've got to catch them doing it right and you've got to jump on it in the spot. And remember, of course, that words make the best rewards. Thank you. Good job. I so much appreciate that. Oh, my gosh. I mean, that is like the easiest things for us to do, right? To say hello, to look at someone in the eye and greet them in the morning, to let them know when you're leaving and wave at them or send them a virtual Slack, see you online tomorrow, those little things. And of course, the appreciation, right? Catching those good moments and acknowledging them. When I was visiting a business in France, the uh, person I was there visiting with, they took me through the office and we had to say hello We had to walk through literally two floors of offices and wave hello at every single person who was already there because that was how you came in in the morning. That was what you did culturally. And if you didn't do that, people thought something was wrong with you or they thought you were mad at them. It was like a big no-no. And then the same thing at the end of the day when we were done with all of our work, we walked the two laps and we waved goodbye to everyone. And it was this amazing just experience because as we were sitting in our office too, people were walking by and waving at us as they were coming and going throughout the day. So it was just this wonderful, like joyous thing that to everyone in that building, at least in France, was completely normal. But to me was this like very special, beautiful thing. So I'm totally on board with this greeting, hello, and saying goodbye as a as a way to connect with people on that human level. Why do you think that is so important? I, I have some thoughts on it, but why do you think Because obviously you felt good about doing it and they felt good about it. Yeah. For me, it's about acknowledgement, right? It's so easy to move through the world and pass people. And I live in New York City. So most of the time (laughs) I pass a million people a day who I don't acknowledge and who don't acknowledge me. And so when you're with your team to acknowledge them and, and greet them or say goodbye to them, I think is just an important way of seeing each other, right? And acknowledging our human existence. And then I think the other side of it is I'm Jewish and I grew up in this world where (laughs) you don't go anywhere without saying hello and saying goodbye to every single person. And I think maybe being in a culture that also did that was just felt very at home for me. Yeah, I I can relate that. I think think how you say goodbye is so important because number one, it sets up all future interactions you're going to have with that person Mm -hmm. for the rest of the day. It really does set the tone. And I think it provides, it accelerates efficiency because now that person isn't wasting any amount of time thinking about, are they mad at me? Why did they walk in this morning? Why didn't they say hello to me? That's very inefficient. It's a distraction that can be easily eliminated. When you say goodbye, well, it sets the tone for all future interactions and it makes people eager to want to come back to that environment. I was a, I spoke at this conference for teachers one time and there was this lady in the audience. I, I was giving away books as door prizes at the end of the talk. And we said, well, how, who has worked here 20 years, 30 years? 40. I got this woman had been a teacher for over 50 years. Wow. Just, just do the math on that alone. Who does that? 
it's incredible. And when I walk back to talk to her, well, obviously I've got an expert, so I need to go talk to her. So I take the microphone, I walk out to talk to her, and she's got all of her colleagues around her, and they're, they're all excited. And they're, she's been our county's district teacher of the year like nine times. And she does a very <laughs> southern, deep accent. I said, so what's your secret? What makes you such a great teacher? And she said, I'll... I send the students home with anticipation, had like eight syllables in it, you know. And she went on to tell me that every day when the kids leave, she stands out in front of the door and she says something positively. Like, can't wait to see you tomorrow. Oh, you did such a good job today. I can't wait to see how much you're, how much better you're going to do next week. And these kids would leave there. They couldn't wait to be back to her. Think of a manager. You can get so easily caught up in your own workload and you're trying to meet deadlines and you've got your board or supervisor, whoever do you have to report to. And you get caught up in that, that you forget and you overlook those moments with your subordinates. And really, if you, I always think of the old African proverb, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, you have to go together. And those interactions, that, that little 10 second interaction at the end of the day with one of your, a member of your staff, Oh, I can't wait to see how you did such a great job. I can't wait to see how far we're going to go next week. That's empowering. That's how you curb turnover. Yeah. Wow. We should all be doing that. All right. I want to shift gears a little bit because we've been talking a lot about what we can do as managers to be good team members, good team players. But what about when you're You've got someone on your team who's maybe not living up to these standards or these values, and you really need to confront them about their own behavior because they're living in that me gear. How can we start to open that conversation with a team member to help shift them into that we gear mindset also? That is the most common question I'm asked at any event, and it's a very good question. That you know somebody in your team is doing something wrong, something that is counter to your team culture, it is detrimental, it is toxic, whatever the case may be, but you don't know how to confront them without making it worse mm-hmm. or without making yourself the, the problem. And that can happen very easily if, if, if you do it wrong. I, so you need, you hear those marketing tips, those little segments, you, those, those sayings that come and stick with you. Here's one I like to use. When you come to those conflict moments, you've got to think about McDonald's Chicken McNuggets. And what's everybody's favorite dipping sauce? Sweet and sour. And Mamie, if you say otherwise, I'm going to I'm immediately <laughs> end this call. It is sweet and sour. It's non-debatable. So here's what you need to do. When you have someone you need to uh, confront, you give them the sweet and then you give them the sour. So if we were to use a sports analogy, Joey... You're the fastest, hardest working player in our team, but you've got to stop bad-mouthing coach behind her back. It's tearing our team apart. It's really dividing us. And then after you give them the sweet, Joey, you're the fastest. You give them the sour, you lay out the problem, and then you've got to sweep it away with an open-ended question. And this is basic hostage negotiation 101, which is exactly what this toxic personality is doing. They're holding your team culture hostage. You've got to end it with an open-ended question. How can we be our best if you keep doing that? Ooh. And, and that's, a, that's an important third step to the sweet and sour technique uh, that really come to appreciate. You know, we often talk about, we give them the, um, the sandwich technique. You give them something good, then you say something bad, then you end it on something good. And the problem with that is, and this is an, is an antiquated management strategy, leadership strategy, because the two-to-one ratio so they leave the conversation thinking that things aren't really as bad as they really are. 
and it gets lost in the shuffle and you're going to have to have that conversation again if you take that approach. Or you can do the, the flip side of that. It's often called the Oreo cookie technique. You give them something bad, you say something good, then you recap that bad again. The problem there, if the first words out of your mouth are something negative, well, whoop, immediately goes up the wall and they're going to become defensive or dismissive and they're not going to listen to anything else you have to say. But that sweet and sour technique, especially if you have someone who's had some narcissistic tendencies or some really self-centered tendencies, you play to their ego, you lay out the problem, and then you put the onus on them. This is such a great model. I mean, I have never heard of this kind of particular sweet and sour approach, but it does make a lot of psychological sense. And this last question of how can we be our best if you keep doing this, right? That to me is also just a brilliant way to open up a conversation around how can we solve this together because the team is at stake, right? Not just you as an individual need to change your behavior because you're a problem or you're doing something that's going to risk a client, but really the team here, how can we be our best if you're not contributing in the way that's going to work with all of us in that way? So I love that conversation as a, or that phrasing that question as a way to open up that conversation with a colleague. It, it really is. The weak years are very inclusive. It's come on in, the water is warm, and it makes you want to be a part of the we. You know, here, here's the biggest problem with you have those individuals who you need to confront. They're either selfish or self-centered. And as a manager, it is crucial that you understand the difference between those two entities. I mean, selfishness will sink ships friendships, partnerships, relationships, championships, even leaderships. So selfishness, selfish is very willful. It is deliberate. And if you encounter an employee who wears their selfishness like a badge of honor, you really need to think about their placement on the team because that is going to be a recurring problem with them. That is their default. That's what they're always going to default mm -hmm. to them. And it's going to be really hard to get them out of the, the me gear. And maybe, maybe their problem is they have a broken transmission. There's something going on in their personal life that's going to have to be addressed before you can get them to stop being selfish. Now, the other th problem is self-centeredness. And this is where a lot of us fall into because we don't, we lack a level of awareness of how our actions, how our habits impact other people on the team. And this is a much easier problem for leaders, for managers to address, because it's a matter of creating awareness, mm -hmm. letting them know they're aware of it, laying out your very specific standards for what your expectations are. And then people start thinking of themselves less. And the old saying, and I'm feeling bad because I can't remember who the quote should be attributed to, but it's, it's not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. And that really is the essence of, of being a team player. Yeah. Fabulous. All right. Well, we are running out of time. So Lance, can you tell us about a great manager that you worked for and what made this person such a fantastic boss? Oh, that's a good one because I've had so many. I'll give you two. And they're, they are, because they do the exact same thing. They did, the, they have the exact same attribute. One was a boss I played for. I was worked for overseas named Mike Burton. And the other is, was the the athletic director, the first person who ever hired me, he's my first real boss, and his name was Tim Kelly. Tim's previous line of work, he uh, owned, operated, he ran the Vermont Maple Syrup Company. So uh, Tim's skill set, it allowed him the, some 
some very admirable qualities because in Vermont, you have high employment. It's easy to get a job. They're always looking there. So if you don't treat your employees, you don't treat your staff right. Well, they're just going to leave and they'll go get another job. They don't think twice about it. So you have to treat people right. And what Tim and Mike both did, they uh, facilitated trust. They got you to trust them by entrusting you. Mm. And as an employee, as someone who worked for them, who reported to them, it made you feel valued. They didn't micromanage you. They didn't need to. They would give you the task. They would give you professional trust and they would lay out what the expectation was. And they set back. And before they stepped back, the last thing they would make very clear to you is, if you run into any problems, don't hesitate to bring them to me. I'm here to help you. And by treating employees that way, they were the type of boss who made you feel like they were part of the team too. They were a good team. And I think the best managers are, are always good teammates. They just have a different role on the team. Love it. Amazing. And where can people learn more about you, get a copy of your book and keep up with your work? All my books are available. I have 10 books. My most popular, it was the one that topped the uh, Forbes list of 20 books to make you a better mentor. Uh, the We Gear is my most popular. They're all available on the normal book outlets, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. You can also get them on my website, coachloya.com. You can also read my weekly blog, subscribe to our newsletter. We have an online course you can subscribe to there. And of course, I'm on all the normal social media channels. So if you're on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook, LinkedIn, Go out and connect with us. I love meeting new teammates and growing our team. Well, thank you again so much for chatting with me today. Such a pleasure. Pleasure was mine, as they say at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> Lance is providing a 50% discount to the Good Teammate Factory. The corporate team and professional development track is designed for work teams. It helps team members become more aware of how their actions and attitudes influence their team's culture. Participants are guided through short video lessons that explore different aspects of the art of being a good teammate, followed by an interactive exercise to reinforce that lesson's topic. The discount is available to patron-level members of the Modern Manager community. And members get extended interviews, so they will hear the rest of my conversation with Lance, where we talk about the five teammates that everybody needs. To become a member at $15 per month and get this 50% off discount code and many more guest bonuses from all of our prior guests go to themodernmanager.com slash join. All the links are in the show notes and they can be delivered to your inbox when you subscribe to my newsletter. Find that at themodernmanager.com. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player and join the mailing list at MamieKS.com slash podcast. That's M-A-M-I-E-K-S dot com slash podcast to get show notes and other special content delivered directly to your inbox. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.